offered 10,000 views in its catalog, and within six years, they'd grown to one million. People loved it, laughs Laura Schiavo, an assistant professor of museum studies at George Washington University. At pennies per view, stereoscopy could become a truly mass medium. People excitedly purchased shots of anything and everything. They gawped at Tintern Abbey in Wales and at the Temple of Jupiter in Lebanon, and glazed at close-ups of delicate fancy work. There were comedic staged views, like one showing a maid sneaking out of her house via manhole to see her lover. Wealthy families posed for stereoscope portraits. The world in a stereoscope seemed transcendent, hyper-real. The first effect of looking at a good photograph through the stereoscope is a surprise such as no painting ever produced, gushed Oliver Wendell Holmes, the American surgeon and author, in an 1859 Atlantic essay. The mind feels its way into the very depths of the picture. The scraggy branches of a tree in the foreground run out at us as if they would scratch our eyes out. Soon, Holmes amassed a collection of thousands of views. Oh, infinite volumes of poems that I treasure in this small library of glass and pasteboard. I creep over the vast features of Ramses on the face of his rock-hewn Nubian temple. I scale the huge mountain crystal that calls itself the Pyramid of Cheops, he even gave this type of imagery a name, stereograph, from the Latin roots for solid and writing. Holmes engineered a simplified stereoscope that could be made cheaply. He intentionally didn't patent it, and this sparked an American stereography boom as U.S. firms cranked out thousands of the gadgets. The device crossed all cultural and class boundaries. Intellectuals used it to ponder the mysteries of vision and mind, while kids merely goggled at the cool views. It was social, too, says Heil. You'd see the family in the parlor room, and the grandson is feeding stereo views to grandmother, who's looking at it. European views were frequently of famous ancient landmarks, castles, and cathedrals. The United States, a young country, didn't have any antiquity, so stereographers instead recorded America's epic landscape, the canyons of the West, the soaring peaks of Yosemite. Americans also loved scenes from abroad, peering excitedly at Egyptian camels, Central American women pounding tortilla flour, dirigibles in flight, exploding volcanoes. Victorian-era travel was too expensive for anyone but the wealthy, so the stereograph provided virtual voyaging for the emerging middle class. You could stay at home and go to France, to Italy, to Switzerland and China, and you could visit all these places by your fireside, says Denis Pelleron, director of the London Stereoscopic Company, which still exists today. One entrepreneur even envisioned using the stereograph to do remote shopping. Stereoscopy began to transform science. Astronomers realized that if they took two pictures of the moon, shot months apart from each other, then it would be like viewing the moon using a face that was the size of a city. Availing ourselves of the giant eyes of science, as one observer wrote, the technique indeed revealed new lunar features. Artists used the device for inspiration. Charlie Chaplin was casting about unsuccessfully for an idea for his next film, when he peered at stereographs of the Yukon. This was a wonderful theme, he realized, and in a flash conceived the idea for his next hit film, The Gold Rush. By the late 19th century, stereograph makers began aggressively pitching their wares to a huge and lucrative market, schools. Like many purveyors of educational technology, they claimed their new form was uniquely instructive better even than mere books. The stereograph is a superior kind of text, and a good teacher will not have so much trust in mere print, wrote the Underwood and Underwood Company in its teacher manual.
the world visualized for the classroom. Many teachers were persuaded, and by some accounts, millions of students began using stereoscopes. Keystone, another stereographic company, said every American city of at least 50,000 population was using the Keystone system in its schools. This was about more than education. It was about forging a new style of cognition and behavior. The science of psychology was new, and proponents believed that children's mental apparatuses were trainable with rigorous practice. Studying 3D scenes, the experts argued, would help sharpen children's attention. Educators would always describe kids as chaotic and unfocused, says Meredith Bach, an assistant professor of childhood studies at Rutgers University. There is this idea that you had to train kids how to look by giving them an object lesson to closely study. The stereograph seemed to fit the bill perfectly. By sealing off a student's vision, it removed the distractions of spitball-tossing classmates and sealed the child into quiet contemplation.